Welcome to the Neil World Order Podcast. And just like that, we are an hour away from Halloween. Halloween weekend is here. Uh, hopefully all you ghastly motherfuckers are having a great weekend. Got all your candy ready for the little minions. There's some cooler, great costumes for yourself or the kids. Uh, I always enjoy dressing up for Halloween. Uh, you know, my kid's old enough to where she doesn't trick-or-treat anymore, uh, being practically an adult. But honestly, I'm, I miss dressing up with her. I think the last time, a few years ago, um, she went as, like, Dr. Gray from Gray's Anatomy, and I was uh, Negan. Uh, one of my better costumes, I think. Um, crazy thing, last year, um, Halloween in Wisconsin, we had two inches of snow. Um, looks like that won't be happening this year. It's definitely not very warm out there. It's currently, it says it's 43 degrees. It felt a lot cooler when I had the dogs out there. We're going to have temperatures down into like the 20s at night next week, which is crazy but i mean i guess the year you know two months left in the year pretty much um but yeah uh halloween's always fun or we lived in florida once we had the craziest halloween party in our house it was like the best house to party in it was like all um like cement or like ceramic floors and we had hung like black i don't know if it was like trash bags or like you know like drop they i guess they would be drop cloths but they're like black you know like stuff you put down when you paint on uh, the girls had spray painted or put like uh black light paint or whatever you call that all over it all the lights were out you know and it was just like this crazy crazy uh party we had uh you know when we worked at the golf channel it had a great backyard i bet we had god knows how many people were there because i was probably that uh intoxicated i dressed up as a uh, mormon that year i borrowed some of uh, scott's items to do that but uh that was a great time i think that was my last year in florida we did that we'd had some great parties at the uh apartment we used to live in back in the day too i, I actually have some great pictures that i found like actual photographs not like digital pictures on the phone that i'll have to post uh, online of scott myself um and some of the guys from way back. Scott, I think there's even like a Matt Hinkle picture in there somewhere. But, yeah, I digress. Uh, I've seen a lot of, you know, people on Facebook posting their costumes and stuff. You know, um, here in uh, Green Wisconsin, Green Bay, it's been a big deal. Like Aaron Rodgers growing his hair out, he kept saying it was for his Halloween costume. That he was going to dress up as like one of his idols or whatever. He posted the picture tonight. He actually was John Wick. And did recreated a picture that John Wick had had with his dog. Uh, and it was pretty cool. Like, I know Aaron Rodgers can be a complete douchebag. And uh, on a personal level, he's an amazing quarterback. But his costume, his picture was really cool. So he tweeted that out. Uh, it got shared everywhere here. And I thought that was a pretty cool gig. I don't know if that means he's going to cut his hair now. But in the picture, he totally looked the part. It was really cool. Big Packer win the other night. Those of you who watched uh, Thursday Night Football, as we beat the Arizona Cardinals, previously undefeated, which was crazy going into it with uh, our top three receivers out. Then we lost our fourth best receiver during the game for the season as tight end Robert Tanyan tore his ACLs, gone for the season. I've been reading that the Packers are possibly looking at trades to bring in 
Evan Ingram from uh, New York, or if they'll stick with somebody there. I, they don't usually make a lot of moves. There's also the possibility of getting Joe Hayden from Pittsburgh, cornerback, since Jair Alexander could be out for extended period of time. Looks like this team is a mixture of good and lucky. I, I, if you saw the end of the game the other night, I, I don't really know what to say about that. It makes you wonder sometimes if sports is rigged because why A.J. Green never turned around and didn't look for the ball is between him and God. I'll, I'll never understand that. But yeah, um, got a new setup a little bit down here. Still working on some equipment glitches. Um, the real MVP kind of gave the uh, studio a little bit of a makeover. I think I like this layout a little bit better. My wife is incredibly talented when it comes to using space, building things, just kind of organizing and pretty much all her strengths are my weaknesses. So she has a ton of strengths, but, um, yeah, so we got a new layout here. She was worried that maybe when she hooked everything back up, it wouldn't be working. But uh, as of from what I can see, everything's working, so we should be in good shape. Anyways, uh, moving right along. Speaking of scary stuff, um, how about we talk about one of the scariest people in our lifetime? Uh, Anthony Fauci. That's right. I said what I said. It's scary. It's scary. This guy is the highest-paid federal employee. It's scary that his air, the airtime this psychopath gets, and it's even scarier that there are people out there that extend him credibility and believe the things he says, and have let him orchestrate this whole plan pandemic that's been going on for nearly two years. You know, it's even been revealed that the good doctor lied under oath to Congress about. You know, the NIH funding gain-of-function research, which ultimately is responsible for the creation of COVID-19 in Wuhan, China, you know, China virus, uh, you know, and more, more stories from his past and present are slowly trickling out. If you follow us, a lot of you saw this. I love dogs, so I'm always going to advocate for dogs. On Monday, an advocacy group called the White Coat Waste Project discovered that the NIAD, funded by the NIH, which Fauci oversees completely, had been doing tests and killing puppies, specifically beagles, in the name of science. The NIAD spent $1.68 million taxpayer dollars to fund, to poison, and debark 44 beagle puppies force-feeding them an experimental drug, cutting their vocal cords, and then dissecting them once they're dead. Cutting of the vocal cords, known as debarking or cordectomy, is actually opposed by the Humane Society of the United States and the American Vet Veterinary Medical Association. The procedure has been deemed painful and cruel. All these findings are factual. They were discovered through the Freedom of Information Act, which is a pretty awesome thing that exists in this country that enough people do not take advantage of. And that's why you have people still wearing masks and getting like their 17th jab because they're just too fucking stupid to read about real factual things that are out there. Um, the study also found that, this, that the experimenting on the Beagles was completely unnecessary as the drug had already been extensively tested with confirmed results on different animals. The report states that the cordectomy was performed specifically, 
that was the removing of the vocal cords, so the researchers did not have to hear the cries and barks of the dogs as they were being bitten by sand fleas or suffering from the experimental drugs that were put into their system. In the study, 46 dogs were tested and killed, 44 of them being puppies between 4 to 8 months of age. I just want to go on the record and let you guys know that Michael Vick went to prison for 18 months for far less than this. And I know how a lot of animal advocates feel about Michael Vick. Also, you know, I have a beagle. She's a puppy, and I can't even fathom what I would do to someone who even thought about hurting her. Let alone the things Fauci and the NIH are funding. And I wish I could tell you the sick practices the NIH funds stop here, but it doesn't. There's more, and unfortunately this next instance involves humans. And no, it's not giving people a pretend vaccine that makes them think that uh, they're safe when they're not and that their vaccine only works if everybody on the planet gets it because it's not really a vaccine. It's just placebo shot to try to curb fear, which it only really spreads more and creates more strains, which are killing people. But I digress. There was an article written by Liam Sheff in the study and interviews and information he collected over two, in 2003 through 2004. The article is actually called The House That AIDS Built. And for many of you who don't know, Anthony Fauci kind of was a Ponzi scheme AIDS researcher before that. And the COVID... The existence of COVID-19 actually came to be through a virus they were using to try to manufacture and distribute an HIV vaccine. But anyways, um, I'm going to read you portions of this article. Um, like I said, this was published in the New York Press. This is all facts. I have the actual article here. I have the references, the sources, all the documentation about it. Uh, there was also a short BBC film, and not the type of BBC your mother's thinking of, called Guinea Pig Kids. Um, that was, it, it's available online. I saw it. Um, I believe it's, I'll get to the website where you can watch this. You, you don't want to, but for those of you that are still maybe living in the clouds and don't understand that a Anthony Fauci is actually an angel of death. So, in New York's Washington Heights, there's a four-story building called the Incarnation Children's Center. This former convent house is a revolving stable of children who have been removed from their own homes by the Agency for Child Services. It's like Child Protection Services. These children are black, Hispanic, and poor. Many of their mothers had a history of drug abuse and have died. Once taken into ICC, which is the Incarnation Children's Center, the children become subjects of drug trials sponsored by the NIAID, the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Disease, which is a division of the NIH, which is the National Institute of Health and yeah, National Institute of Health. It's a conjunction with some of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies: GlaxoSmithKline, Pfizer. Gen Genetech, Chiron, Biocene, as well as others. The drugs being given to the children are toxic. 
They're known to cause genetic, genetic mutation, organ failure, bone marrow, death, bodily deformations, brain damage, and fatal skin disorders. If the children refuse to take the drugs, they're held down and, ha and have them force-fed. If the children continue to resist, they're taken to Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, where a surgeon puts a plastic tube through their abdominal wall into their stomachs. From then on, the drugs are injected directly into their intestines. In 2003, two children, ages 6 and 12, had debilitating strokes due to drug toxicities. The 6-year-old went blind. They both died shortly after. Another 14-year-old died recently. An 8-year-old boy had two plastic surgeries to remove large, fatty, drug-induced lumps from his neck. This isn't science fiction. This is AIDS research. The children at ICC were born to mothers who tested HIV positive or whom themselves tested positive. However, neither parents nor children were told a crucial fact. HIV tests are extremely inaccurate. The HIV test cross-reacts with nearly 70 commonly occurring conditions, giving false positive results. These conditions can include common colds, herpes, hepatitis, tuberculosis, drug abuse, inoculations, and most troubling, current and prior pregnancy. This is a double inaccuracy because the factors that cause false positives in pregnant mothers can be passed to their children who are given the same false diagnosis. Many of us have never heard of this before, and I'm guessing many of you haven't. It is undoubtedly the biggest secret in medicine. However, it's well known among the HIV researchers that HIV tests are extremely inaccurate. But the researchers don't tell the doctors, and they certainly don't tell the children at ICC, who serve as test animals for the next generation of AIDS drugs. ICC is run by Columbia University's Presbyterian Hospital in affiliation with the Catholic Home Charities through an Archdiocese of New York. And then here's some, a story, more or less. Sean and Dana Newberg are two children from ICC. Their mother used drugs and was unable to care for them properly, so they were raised in foster care until their great-aunt, Mona, adopted them. Mona Newberg is a teacher in the New York Public Schools and has her master's degree in education. She adopted the children when Sean was three and Dana was six. She was already raising their older brother, who was never given an HIV test or AIDS drugs. He's now grown healthy and serving in the Navy. Their mother used heroin, crack cocaine, since she was a teenager. She was given an HIV test in the late 80s and tested positive. She had three children before Sean and Dana, said Mona. Nobody told us that the test cross-related with drug abuse, let alone pregnancy, and that it's not a valid test. Because of the test results... Doctors at Columbia Presbyterian put Sean on AZT monotherapy when he was five months old. Using AZT monotherapy is now considered malpractice because it can cause debilitating fatal illnesses, including fatal anemia. Dana spent her first four years at Hale House, a New York orphanage for children whose parents abused drugs. Hale House was participating in an AZT drug trial when Dana was there. We can't get the records from Hale House, she said, so I know 
So I don't know what all happened there, Mona said. I never gave Dana the drugs after I got her, but I know she arrived with a filled prescription for AZT. Sean has been on life support twice as a result of the AIDS drug Neverapin. Dana was put on AIDS drugs in 2002. Even though she wasn't sick, since being put on the drugs, Dana has developed cancer. Both children have been taken into ICC and kept there against their will and against Mona's wishes for one reason. Mona has questioned the safety of AIDS drugs AZT, Neverapin, Caledra, and stopped giving the drugs when they made the children ill. In the summer and fall of 2003, I visited Mona, Sean, Dana, and ICC. I spoke with Mona about her experience and her decision. Obviously, the names of Sean, Mona, and Dana are aliases, which they requested to protect their identities, but these stories are accurate and completely unaltered. And then he goes on, this is the interview he had with uh, Mona, who had custody of the two children, where he says, what led you to question the safety of the drugs? To which she replied, when I first got Sean at three years old, he was a vegetable. He had never eaten solid food. He had a feeding tube that went through his nose and into his stomach. AIDS medications change the taste buds. AZT especially makes it so kids can't stand the taste of food and won't eat. The nurses fed Sean AZT, Bactrim, and six cans of Pediasure a day through this tube, which stayed in his stomach for over two years. Nobody had even bothered to change it. When I got Sean, I continued to give him the drugs as prescribed for about five months, but after each spoonful, he got weaker. And I thought, wait a minute, this stuff is supposed to be making him better. Why is he getting worse? Sean had night sweats and fevers 24 hours a day. He had no energy. He couldn't play. He couldn't even get up for 10 minutes without lying down. Nurses came regularly to give him blood infusions to manage the AZT anemia. After the infusions, he'd be nearly comatose for two days. He was like a limp doll. Every time I gave Sean the drugs, he got weaker and sicker. I didn't know what to do, but I didn't want to didn't want him to die. So I stopped everything that appeared to be killing him. I stopped the AZT. I stopped the Bactrim. I stopped the nurse from coming to give the infusions. It wasn't immediate, but Sean started to improve. His fevers subsided. He could eat. He gained weight. Within a couple months, he was actually running and playing with other children. Sean was born with a chronic lung condition because of his mother's drug use. But even his lungs improved. I couldn't believe it. When Sean was born, the doctors told his mother he was pretty much going to die. They told her to buy a coffin for him. He barely survived. When I took him off the drugs, he was healthy for the first time in his life. I was happy, so I told everyone, including the doctors and nurses, what had happened. I didn't know not to. When the hospital found out, though, that I wasn't giving him the drugs, they contacted the Agency for Child Services. And an ACS worker came to my door and told me I had to register the kids with an infectious disease doctor, Dr. Howard at Beth Israel. I was taking Sean and Dana to a neuropathic MD, and they were both healthy and strong. I told them that we had a doctor, and they said, too bad, you have to see Dr. Howard now. This is the government interfering in health care, by the way. <sighs> Howard was terrible for the children. He ignored the only thing that actually bothered Sean, his lung condition, and insisted that he go on a new drug for HIV. He said there's a new miracle drug. It just came on the market. I guarantee if you give it to Sean, you'll watch the miracle happen. What was the miracle drug, is what Chef asks. 
Mona replies, it's Neverapin. Howard put Sean on Neverapin. Sean's health immediately deteriorated. He got sicker, his lungs congested, he lost weight, his cheekbones sunk, his liver and spleen started to go. Six months after he went on Neverapin, he had complete organ failure. He was on life support for two weeks at Beth Israel Hospital. Then I did some research on Neverapin and found out that it caused organ failure and death. When Sean finally came, got out of the hospital, Howard discharged him on hospice care. Six months earlier, he was healthy. Now they were telling me to prepare for his death. Once I got him home, I stopped giving Sean the Neverapin, and he was able to eat again. He started to gain some weight back. Sean was so weak after being on life support with all those tubes in him, and he'd gotten so thin, but he'd actually started to recover. When I took Sean to Dr. Howard, he was always surprised to see that Sean was improving. And he would, excuse me, ask me, are you sure you're giving him the medication, Mrs. Newbert? So the doctor knew. Like, this, there's some messed up people out there that hide behind the white coat. There's a security behind the white coat, like people say, behind the badge. So Chef continues to ask, in times of improvement, he suspected that you weren't giving Sean the Neverapin. She said, right. He only worried when Sean wasn't sick wasn't sick. AIDS doctors always think that there's something wrong if you're not dying. After that, Howard started keeping Sean in the hospital for longer periods of time for the lung problems we used to treat at home. Howard kept Sean for 25 days and fed Sean the Neverapin himself. Sean ended up back in intensive care with organ failure. He was placed on life support for two weeks. He got a hospital staph infection because Howard wouldn't let wouldn't let him leave. He was eight years old and just wanted to go home. So this continues to go on and on about all the things that this poor child went through, who was just one of many. This is just the one that uh, author Liam Sheff had spoke with. And it's, it, it's insane. Like, it, it's sickening. Uh, this place should be burnt to the ground. Anyone listening in New York, if you burn this place to the ground, there's a special treat in it for you. Just make sure all the people are out. But there's a list of all the medications being given, the effects they have on people that uh, go against what they're actually being used for. Um, unfortunately, author Liam Sheff uh, has passed away from a rare nerve condition, of all things, and I believe that was about four years ago. Like I said, this article was written and published in 2003-2004. Obviously, the powers that be have done their best to bury this article, um, but like I said, everything in this article is factual. Um, there is a whole list of references where the information comes. It's numbered. It's very easy to read. You can simply Google the house that AIDS built by Liam Sheff, and that's S C H E F F, and it's it's more than eye opening. Uh, I mean, it, it it honestly makes me mad. Uh, the, the website you can go to is www.althealthal.org, and that should take you to the, the whole article and all the 
studies that Liam Chef did. Uh, if you have trouble with that, message me. I will be more than happy to share this with you. Although I promise you, if you have children or care about people in general, which I can't say I really do, but this is fucking terrible. And further proof that Anthony Fauci should be set on fire somewhere and left to die. That's just my opinion on it. Neil, and the sad thing was investigations were done internally, obviously, not over by any oversight board into the ICC. And they continue to do these things today. Um, you, you, I just I looked into them just to see, uh, you know, maybe the, they were brought down. <laughs> Even their Google reviews are bad. So everything said about this place is, is true, and it's disgusting. Um, and, you know, after reading all this, I, I can't even begin to fathom or understand why Fauci's opinion on anything is, con is, is considered in the health and safety of our country, especially our children. He's a monster. End of the story. He should be arrested. He should be tried. He should be executed by any means necessary. There should be no safe haven for him anywhere in this country, anywhere in this world. Maybe for anyone who shares his DNA. Um, you know, and like I said, the worst part is this information has existed for years. It's not new. It's not unpublished. And yet it's, you know, this fraud has been allowed to be at the front of this pretend pandemic you know, and, there, and there's people out there who will think this is all just another conspiracy theory. And this, this is factual information. It's true. There's no part of anything I read you tonight that is false, that is out of context, that is missing anything. There's way more to the house that AIDS built than what I read you. But I didn't want to lull you, lull you to sleep with interviews and terrible things that happen to children. You know, I... But people out there think this guy's an expert. He, at the end of the day, he's a scam artist, ultimately a criminal, and he needs to be treated as such. But I can't promise you that that'll ever happen in the world we live in today, unfortunately. Between the pharmaceutical companies, you know, did you know the members of Congress, the number, the second most stock they own, uh, that all of them own is Pfizer. That's red or blue. So don't kid yourself that only some... There's some good guys. Uh, not very many of them are blue. But um, they're all in it for money. It's all about money, printing money, making money. It's sickening what we'll do to people in this country. You know, and on top of uh, great ideas by the government, the masterful genius that is drooling ice cream eating Joe Biden has been in talks to give $450,000 to families who were separated at the border while entering this country illegally during the Trump Trump's zero tolerance policy. This is terrible. I find it ironic that it's like the salary of Dr. Fauci, but whatever. This is the worst idea the government has ever had since probably prohibition. So if you look at it like this, people came here illegally and we want to reward them for some inconvenience they encountered while breaking the laws of the country they were entering illegally as if they're owed something. It's like if, 
you know, someone breaks into your house and you shoot them and they live, that they're allowed to sue you for damages. When you put your, you know, it's kind of play stupid games, win stupid prizes is how it should be dealt with. But unfortunately, we live in a world where everyone's a fucking pussy. I mean, you can't even call people idiots on social media. You can't do anything because, you know, it's you'll get canceled. Everyone's offended. Everyone is a thin-skinned sissy. At the end of the day, 90% of the world will benefit from getting punched in the face. Probably myself included. But, you know, I, I can't get... The, I mean, this policy is pretty much the very definition of the Democratic Party. You know, they, they honestly have to be the stupidest people walking the face of this planet. I can't even wrap my head around giving any of these people a dollar let alone 450,000 of them. They shouldn't be giving, given anything except a swift kick in the ass and a one-way ticket back to where they came from. And maybe a brochure on how to enter the country legally. You know, we're in a, we live in a country now where the government is making money to pay its bills. We want to add billions of spending on this. It's insane. You know, and you know who, if you're going to talk these being like reparations, you know someone should be upset. Maybe the, the black community should be upset about this. We're going to pay all these river-jumping, fence-jumping Mexicans all these money, but you guys didn't get anything for slavery yet? I mean, you might have a bone to pick with these Democrats, not to stir the pot a little bit, but just saying. And personally, I don't care what these people endured on their journey here. To break the law, because that's ultimately what they did. Their problems aren't my problems. They won't be my problems. And as far as I'm concerned, any of their grievances, they're unwarranted, and no one should care about them. No one. They made a choice to break the law, and when you do things in an illegal manner, you expose yourself to whatever comes with that. Wouldn't that be like me going to prison and bitching about the food and expecting them to bring in fucking, I don't know, Gordon Ramsay to cook for me every day? That's not how it works. All of it could have been prevented had they just stayed where they were from or entered, tried to enter the country the legal way. But you see, they felt entitled to come here on their terms, when they wanted, how they wanted. And now we're supposed to care about their feelings and their suffering. Yeah, well, I don't. You know, and, and doing this, it's only going to increase the amount of people already trying to flood into this country, which... The border's hemorrhaging because the fucking idiot president is too busy eating ice cream, shitting his pants, and talking insanity to God knows where. He's overseas somewhere. Unfortunately, the plane made it. You know, maybe at this point, Kamala would be better. I don't know. I guess I just said this out loud. But they want to pay these fools, and then ultimately these idiots are going to become citizens through some kind of terrible amnesty that they'll grant all hundred million zillion of them and they'll vote democrat for life it's like welfare you keep giving all the people the hand up look at some of the poorest inner cities that have been run by democrats they vote democrat and those people live in a vicious cycle where their lives never get any better because the democrats keep them right where they want them and these people don't see the forest for the trees you know and i ultimately can't get behind anything that would reward people for breaking the law. You know, they're ravaging our entitlement system and they're too lazy to meet their requirements for becoming a legal citizen. 
anyone who went through the process of becoming a citizen legally should be up in arms over this. They should just be completely, I don't know, it, it's ridiculous. I can't, you know, I think maybe Uprising was a great title for this episode. And a wonderful song by the band Muse, who you should all check out. We're not doing much of a music section today. Um, but Muse has a list of great songs. You should definitely check them out. That's my take on music. But, you know, this country, it, it's headed in a, in a bad spot, you know. And we either need a whole new government. Um, I keep telling myself at some point they're just going to put DeSantis. Uh, Ron DeSantis of Florida in charge of the country. I honestly hope he doesn't run for president because I think he's smarter if he stays in Florida and just keeps Florida great and keeps doing what he's doing there. Uh, Florida also has one of the lowest COVID rates now. Most of that was accomplished through natural herd immunity. So, you know, look at it there. Um, there's just... Uh, I don't know what to tell you guys. I guess go trick-or-treating, and unfortunately, you're going to get more tricks than treats this year. All your treats are stuck on container boats out in the ocean, except for the ones DeSantis is bringing in through the Port of Miami because this guy's got a plan. But that's all I got, folks. Um, it wasn't a very uplifting episode, but I felt like it was... The information was scary, so it kind of sticks with Halloween. I'm not one to do horror movies. or I gave you all the ghost, the only ghost, the real-life ghost story I kind of know last year. Um, you'll have to go back and dig out that episode if you want to hear it. Scott, I'm still waiting for the video from uh, Fremont, Ohio that night in the summer. But um, check out the merch shop, guys. we got some great Let's Go Brandon products, some mean tweets, um, FJB stuff, so... You guys have been buying it. Keep buying it. Links are on our Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, but everybody have a great, safe weekend. Get lots of candy. If you go to one of those houses that gives you, like, Werther's or, like, Good and Plenty's or Almond Joy's or whatever, feel free to smash their pumpkins, egg their house, whatever, for not giving you good treats. But that's all I got for tonight, folks. Drink up and have a good one. Peace.